It's all it's you, David. Don't worry. Uh, good morning, everybody. I'm glad you're here. Um, we are in part uh, four. I don't know. I don't know exactly how to uh, how to describe it. Our church initiative. That sounds like t- I say initiative, and everybody's like, oh, "I'm tuning out." Initiative. That doesn't sound exciting at all. But our church like focus, where we're just kind of wrapping our arms around the idea of discipleship. You know, jumping into the deep end with that concept, where we just we don't want to mess around anymore. You know what I mean? Does that make any sense to anybody else? Where like you know, people kind of get halfway involved in something, and just like, come on, jump in, jump out, fish or cut bait. Let's do this. If we're going to get excited about Jesus, then let's just get excited about Jesus. Let's follow Jesus, right? Yeah, that's like why mess around with it. So that's what this has all been about. So we have these cool banners, we've got these cool wristbands, we got all this cool stuff that doesn't mean anything if nobody's going to actually be a disciple, right? So that's what we've been trying to describe is, uh, is what it means to be uh, like an intentionally focused disciple of Jesus Christ. And we are kind of fundamentally changing the conversation at the Woodbury Church of Christ from here on out. This is what it's all about. So we've been going through these different things. The first one, remember, it looks like bacon, but it actually means disciples follow Jesus into the water. Uh, The second one is uh, disciples connect with other disciples. Uh, The third one is the one we're going to be talking about today. Somebody asked, uh, did we we buy this prepackaged? Did this all come prepackaged? And I was very flattered. We actually made this up, but I was very flattered that somebody thought that we had actually like copied and pasted off the internet but we we made this like it or not we we made this this is and this is a result of like study and thoughtfulness and trying to get investment from from deacons and elders and and members in this church trying to think through what it means to be a disciple now i said this last week and not everybody was here so if you don't want me to repeat myself just come every week but I want you to understand that this, none of what we're talking about is some sort of checklist that we can rush through like I did with my homework so I could go off and do something else. That's not what this is. What we're talking about is a lifestyle where we say from now on, this is who I am and what I am encouraging other people to do. So that's what this is all about. Uh, we're going to just jump right in to the scriptures, Mark chapter 10, verse 35. We're going to talk about this third mark of what it means to be a disciple. Mark chapter 10, verse 35, familiar passage, just want to walk through it a little bit with you. Mark chapter 10, verse 35 says this, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. We all know Zebedee, right? All right. Came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. I have a couple kids that try to pull this on me occasionally. It's a little funny to see some grown men doing it. I, we don't actually know how old they were. Maybe they were a little bit younger. But I have kids come up to me and say, Dad, I got a question for you. I need you to say yes. And that's quite the negotiation tactic, right? You say yes, I'll fill in the terms of the agreement later. How about we do that? And that's what these guys are asking Jesus to do. You say yes, and then we'll tell you what we're asking. And Jesus says, like, okay, what do you want me to do for you? I, he probably knows, but, like, let's, let's just verbalize this agreement. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. That's probably a weird way to phrase anything today. If you're going to your boss for a promotion, you wouldn't ask anything like that. But it's the idea of we know that you're someone important. You've come to establish an important institution, and we want positions of power within that institution. We want to be the boss. Yeah, I mean, you can be the president, but we want to be vice presidents in this organization. We want the ability to tell other people what to do, right? And isn't that all we want in life? Like, that is all we want in life. 
Because when we're little kids and another kid comes and bosses us around, what do we say to that kid? You're not my boss, right? And then the parents every once in a while, because when a kid is defiant of authority, the parent has to stop and say, now, who's the boss? And you have to get the kid to say, well, you are. Who's the dad or who's the mom? But everybody, that's all they want in life is to be able to dictate their own path and their own direction and especially to tell other people what to do. We like that, right? We love the ability to say, hey, go get me this. Go do this for me. We love that. That's what everybody wants. Now, Jesus said that, you know, you don't understand what you're asking, and he went into a, a little bit of theology that we're not going to talk about this morning, just that they didn't know what they were asking for. Uh, but, and he said, I can't give you that anyway. That's not what this is all about. But when the other apostles heard Jesus, they became indignant with James and John, or excuse me, heard James and John, they became indignant. And Jesus is like, all right, we've got to clear the air about this whole thing here. Because I know how everybody's wired. I know that everybody wants to be in charge. We've got to clear the air about what the institution is like that I'm, I've come to create. And he says this, verse 42, Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers over the Gentile lord it over them. They're the boss. They're in charge. Their high officials exercise authority over them. It's good to be the boss. It's good to be in charge. Verse 43, he says, but this institution, this organization, this community that I have come to establish is, is not like that at all. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. And then he says, look, even, even me, even the person that you believe is the son of God that has come to be the king, that has come to establish his rule and reign, for even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom <clears throat> for many. I saw this thing the other day uh, that said in order to participate with this organization, uh, you had to sign up for mandatory volunteer hours. Now, I'm no expert on vocabulary, but I am fairly certain that mandatory and volunteer are a contradiction in terms, right? How can you mandator mandatorily ask someone to do something of their own free will, right? You can't, that's, you're, you're either the boss or you're not. Um, I think that's literal contradiction. But I think that idea, that's, that picture gets at the heart of something that I really want to talk about this morning. This idea of, of a love-hate relationship that we have with serving one another. A love-hate relationship that we have with serving one another. In theory, we love it, right? We love the idea Jesus came to serve, we want to serve, we want to just get in there and help. However, in reality, when we actually have someone come up to us and say, hey, can you help, we've got this real pushback too. I think there's this love-hate relationship that we have with serving. For example, have you ever opened up your email um, and you see uh, the subject line that says something like service opportunity? And you're like, uh, okay, so if I click on that and read it, I don't have the plausible deniability. Because if, if you don't read it, then somebody asks you later, oh, did you see that email? You can say, honestly, no, I didn't read that email. I'm sorry, I, I, I have plausible deniability. But once you click on it, then you're like, I'm kind of obligating myself to at least coming up with a viable excuse. Not necessarily serving, but at least coming up with a good excuse, right? So you click on it, you read it, and it's something like, hey, service opportunity uh, on Saturday. And you're like, oh, great, my, my day off. That sounds awesome. Wonderful. At 7 a.m., oh, perfect, early on my day off. I am in. Throw in some manual labor and sign me up. Help someone move. And you're like, that's me. That's calling me. How many of you read emails like that and you're like, oh, 
man, I hope somebody else signs up. I hope somebody else does something. In theory, I would like to help, but I don't really want to. And so you got to come up with a polite way of saying, I wish I could, but I don't want to. Right? I think it's a love-hate relationship that we have with serving other people. I know I should, and it's this kind of push and pull of desire and guilt. Um, as someone who works at a church, you can see this on the other end of the spectrum, too. Like, you go up to someone and ask them to volunteer for something, and they can tell, maybe it's your body language, maybe it's the look in your eyes as you're approaching them, but they can tell that you're about to come up to them and ask them some, for some mandatory volunteer hours. And there's like, even before you get there, they're like, ah, I'm busy. I haven't even given you the details. <laughs> what do you mean you're busy? I'm just busy life in general. I'm busy. All things are, my schedule is completely full. You can see it. Just their eyes say it's not going to happen. I mean, we get this. It doesn't matter whether you're talking about church. It doesn't matter whether you're talking about work and there's like some sort of service opportunity at work and you're like, oh, that's a really nice way of saying they want me to work, but they're not going to pay me. Um, whatever it is. I, I've, uh, I get calls from uh, the blood center all the time. I, I've donated blood before. Uh, shocking. And uh, I'll get calls from them all the time. And finally, I, I was tired of like trying to come up with excuses. Because they'll take your blood anytime. They'll like, we'll come to you, you can come here. They'll take your blood anytime. And I was tired of, I didn't always want to go do that, so I was tired of coming up with excuses. So I programmed their number into my phone so that I just didn't have to answer when they called. Oh, blood center, you know, go straight to voicemail. Well, they're tricky, and they know human nature, and so they started calling from different numbers. And I would think, oh, hey, look, it's a friend calling to chat with Patrick, an unlisted number, who is, and it's the blood center. Oh, no, I've got to figure out another excuse. Because I want to help, and they always give you this big, heavy spiel about, like, your particular blood type. I don't even know what blood type I have. I don't know that they know what blood type I have. I probably do. But you are needed. It, if you don't help, people are not going to make it. And you're like, ah, I want to, but I don't want to. I want to in theory, but I don't want to. All of this brings us to this third mark of discipleship, and it's this. Disciples don't attend, they engage. Disciples don't attend, they engage. You could almost translate Mark 10 to say something like this. For even the Son of Man did not come to attend, but came to engage. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served. He didn't, he didn't show up in the room to say, what can people do for me, but to serve other people. And so that's what we want to talk about a little bit this morning. A couple of preliminary notes. First of all, I have really tried to be cognizant of how easy it is to appeal to people's guilt. You guys are busy. I get that. And if I come along saying you need to get out there and serve, people are like, what do I give up? Do I give up supporting my kid at their baseball game and they grow up to be a uh, felon because I couldn't support them? Or what do I do? How, how do I deal with this? Uh, because I'm busy. I got stuff to do. I got work. I don't have enough time as it is to take care of it. You should come see my garage. I haven't cleaned my garage in 10 years because I'm busy, right? I, and I get that guilt is just to tug on the old guilt strings when you're talking about volunteering and service. It's just right there at the service. And I get that. I'm going to be trying to be careful about that because I, don't, I know guilt can be motivating and a little bit guilt can be good, right? But I don't want us to operate from a place of guilt when, it, when we talk about our relationship to uh, serving one another. Secondly, the vocabulary I'm going to use is I'm going to talk about like service, engagement, and involvement kind of interchangeably. I'm going to use those words interchangeably. So when you hear one, just to kind of think the other. So I got a suggestion as we start off this process. So we start talking about this. Uh, and it doesn't start with how much you have on your schedules. Okay? 
It doesn't start with uh, feeling guilty about not doing enough, and it doesn't start with feeling guilty about not doing too much. It starts, I believe, with how we think about ourselves. So let me say it this way. Service isn't just an issue of what we do, but of how we think about ourselves. Serving others isn't just an issue of what we do, but how we think about ourselves. Verse 41, uh, Mark chapter 10. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. They became indignant because James and John are looking for their big break. This is their leg up. This is their chance to get in on the ground level and have positions of power. Uh, and they get Jesus away from the other apostles. And I think that's kind of funny because the, the, this was a tight-knit group. They were together all the time, and they had to figure out how to get Jesus away from them so they could ask them, they could place this request. So they're like, hey, apostles, free food over there. Hey, Jesus, come over here. Hey, we got this proposal for you. What do you think? But the apostles were, other apostles weren't gone long enough. So they heard, they heard that James and John, and even they had to get Peter out of there too. It's just James and John, which is really interesting. The brothers. We want the brothers here, the positions of power. We want people to be serving us. Now, the others overheard it, as they always do, and they got indignant. They got indignant. What do you think? You're better than us? You think you deserve to be in charge of us? You're not my boss. That's exactly what they were saying, but in the first century version of it. I was walking into a grocery store the other day, um, and I'm walking right up to the front door, and a, a black Escalade pulls right up in front of me. I don't know if it was an Escalade. It just feels like the type of vehicle a person who did this might be driving. But a black Escalade pulled right in front of me, and I'm walking up to the door. And like for a second, I got so upset. I was like, I, was, I, I intended to use that pavement for my walking, and you used that pavement for your driving. I was so mad at this person. Like I'm, I'm like thinking grand. Like What is the world coming to when people don't acknowledge the pedestrian that is walking across the parking lot anymore? What is wrong with people? I guess maybe because I turned 40, I just became an old man. Like, boom, like immediately. What is wrong with people? And I'm, I'm so upset, and I'm like, I'm going to walk around the Escalade. What else am I going to do? Knock on the window and say, can you please move? I walk around, and I, I, I was thinking all these thoughts, thoughts that I can't really say and I was, I was like, I, how do I communicate to this person my indignance that they had pulled up in front of me? So I made eye contact with him, and I tried to get a lot in that eye contact. Like, like, you know what I'm thinking. You know what you did. But it's so dumb. Like, what was my problem? Thinking that, that somehow I had priority to this little square section of pavement, and he didn't? Thinking that he had seen me and he said to his, his wife that he was letting out of the car at the front door, oh, hey, watch this. This is going to be funny. I'm going to block this guy. What was I thinking that all those things were going on? How ridiculous is that? Here's a guy just doing his thing. Here's another guy doing his thing. And they both wanted to occupy the same little square foot of space and they both couldn't. And so who's greatest in that situation? Well, obviously, I know I'm greatest, right? We live in a society where the pedestrian has the right of way. Well, who cares, right? The Escalade is going to send me to the hospital if it hits me, right? It's so ridiculous to think that in that situation, I'm the greatest. Now, some of you are sitting here thinking, well, he was wrong. He shouldn't have gotten in your way. Well, what if I got in his way? What if his wife has a medical condition? What if she just got out of the hospital and she can't walk more than 30 feet so he can't park even in the handicapped? I don't know any of these things, right? I'm making so many assumptions to get upset at this individual. And at the bottom line is I'm saying I am more important than you. That's the bottom line assumption I'm making. And maybe I'm upset because I think he's saying the same thing. I am more important than you, and I've got an Escalade, so who wins, buddy? 
That's the bottom line is we're both saying who's more important. And we didn't really have an interaction. I came out of the grocery store and he had pulled into a parking spot waiting for his wife and I made more eye contact with him just to let him know I know what you did. But how ridiculous is that? How silly is that? Like if I, had, I somehow am the greatest and I'm indignant with some, when someone else acts like they are more important than me, like they are greater than me. And Jesus, like, he clears the air about that idea. Like, don't think this is the way the world that I'm building works. That's not the way it works. Jesus says, you guys, James and John, and the rest of you, you're looking for power, but I'm looking for servants. And it manifests itself in our lives in so many ways, right? You're looking for greatness. You're looking for power. You're looking for people to defer to you. And I am looking for servants, That's what I want. I want people who are going to serve me. And I didn't didn't even go through this like mental checklist when this car pulled up in front of me. I just assumed in that interaction, I am the greatest between the two of us. I am the greatest. I have the right to that spot. And that's not the mentality Jesus is trying to create in the people who he wants to follow him. Paul said it this way. He said, in your relationships with one another... Everybody, including Escalade drivers, in your relationships with everybody, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, he had the right to greatness. He had the claim to greatness. Did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. You can read that verse and you can read the word nature and you can think, well, Jesus sort of just disguised himself as a servant. He came down, he pretended he was the, he pretended he was the help and, and that was it. But the word is morph, it's to transform. Jesus transformed himself into a servant. He became a servant. A person who had, well, the only person who had the ultimate claim to greatness and authority, transforming himself into a servant. We will always wrestle with serving other people if we do not think of ourselves as servants. We will always wrestle with serving other people if we don't think of ourselves as servants. Because we, we, I'll I'll talk about this in a second, but we give ourselves so much credit when we do some small thing, right? Because we are the king. We are in charge. And just for a few moments, we we have lowered ourselves to serve you, and then we reclaim our kingdom and our authority again. And how good are we to give that up? Jesus says, you're servants. If you want to be great, I want you to be slave of all. You ever interact with an employee who acted like doing their job was doing you a favor? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, you're sitting there and they're, you know, doing whatever. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm such an inconvenience to you, but you have the blue vest on, you have the khaki pants. It feels like you should be the one pointing to me where the stuff is. Not like me trying to wander around this place finding it. I had an employee from a certain establishment. He didn't sprint away, but he moved really fast when I saw him coming. I'm like, what? <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm sorry, it's so tough to be uh, an employee here and serve me. Or maybe, maybe you've been uh, taken, uh, placing an order and the person behind the cash register, oh, forgive me for assuming that uh, you were supposed to be taking my order instead of having that phone conversation or texting or whatever else you're doing. I mean, we can get pretty upset pretty quickly. I took my kids to McDonald's the other day, and the line was a little long. And I, I was so annoyed. The line's long. Can you not bring out another person to ring me up? You're here to serve me. I'm here to give you money. Serve me. And you're thinking, well, yeah, but the, the paradigm is different if you're, if you're at a store. I mean, you, are you not a Christian at the store? 
Like my thought process was, this is a little ridiculous. I'm like letting you see inside the mind of Patrick. I was like, I'm going to get the phone number from this McDonald's, from the line. I'm going to call this McDonald's. Can I speak to a manager? Can you not get another person out here to check people so that we can move this line faster? Like how, how passive aggressive is that? It's the most ridiculous thing. But here's the deal. We don't just serve people. We don't just serve people occasionally. We are servants. Because if we think every, we're the boss and every once in a while we take a foray into doing something nice for someone, give ourselves a pat on the back, and then we hop back to being in charge, we're going to feel really good about that little bit of volunteerism. And, and Jesus is saying, you don't understand. You're the servant. You're the servant. You're not on a short-term mission trip here. You're the servant. If we forget uh, we're servants, I want to point out just a few things here. If we forget we're servants, then we assume or we think that serving is something that other people do. We think that serving is something other people do. Who, uh, who mows the lawn? Who pulls the weeds? Who brings coffee uh, on Sunday morning? Some of you know the answer to this. Some of you don't have any idea. You're just upset when it's not done or the coffee's not there. But you don't know who does it. Somebody else serves me. And if that service isn't done in a, in a quick and adequate manner, I'm going to be a little frustrated. I'm going to think, what, what's wrong with that church that the coffee wasn't there? I can't believe that. Who wasn't, who wasn't doing their job? Well, if, we don't know because we think of ourselves as people who are in charge and other people are just serving us. And listen, we are the other people. We are the other people. If we don't think of us, ourselves as servants, we might even be slightly offended to be asked to serve. What is wrong with Patrick and Jordan asking me to serve? Don't they know I'm busy? Don't they know I have stuff going on? Don't they know I have a life? Don't they know my kids have stuff going on? Hey, just a really uh, quick public service announcement. The, <laughs> this is important. The people that are teaching your kids, the people that are working on the building, the people that are doing any kind of service with regard to the church, they aren't doing that because they have vast amounts of free time they're just trying to fill. Did you know that? They've got kids, they've got lives, they've got things that they would also like to do, but they are choosing to serve. I don't have free time. Welcome to the club. Here's a phrase you never need to say again. I'm busy because we're all busy. Understand, that's a baseline. We're all busy. If you have time to watch Netflix, maybe you can do a little bit of service. But we're all busy. Do you understand that? We're all busy. So when you say, I'm busy, <laughs> yes, so am I. <laughs> so is the people doing everything. They're all busy. By the way, if you watch Netflix and you've ever had Netflix tell you, are you still watching? You have time to serve. Have you ever had that happen? <laughs> you've been watching Netflix too long. You can fill in a little bit of that time with service. When we forget we're servants, we let ourselves off the hook for good intentions. Because good intentions produce a similar feeling to good actions. They just don't produce any results. <laughs> I, I thought about doing it. I, it, was, it was something that was in my head, and I'm a pretty good person for having that thought, but nothing actually came of it. We've got to be careful about letting ourselves off the hook for good intentions. And finally, and most importantly, we miss the fact that service is one of the clearest ways that we can be like Christ. Nothing, nothing quite gets the heart of Christ-likeness than genuine service to other people. As Christ himself said, I did not come to be served but to serve. Have yourself, have in your mind the same mindset of Jesus Christ uh, who did not consider equality with God something to be held on to, but made himself a servant. <clears throat> Disciples don't attend. 
Disciples don't show up expecting someone to do something for them. And think about how this changes your perspective about church and, and what goes on at church. Think about, this is really important, and this is free. I had this in my notes, and then I deleted it, and then I'm putting it back in right now mentally. But think about how this changes what your goal at church is. So when you come to church and you think, I came to be served, then when you get upset at church, think about the things you're getting upset about. They didn't sing a song that I liked. We're not here to sing songs to you. We're not, we're not here to sing your song. I mean, that would be great, right? We could have a hundred different songs. We could sing every service, but we're not here to sing to you. Uh, they, uh, the air conditioning was a little too cold or the, the heat was on. Well, we're not here to ensure your comfort. That's not why we're here. And some of you are struggling with that idea right now. I can see it in your faces. You're like, well, wait a second, but if I'm not happy, nobody's happy. What's well, true because you don't think of yourself as a servant. If we think of ourselves as people who have shown up on a Sunday morning or a Monday morning or a Tuesday morning as people who have shown up to serve, it changes what we think is going on. It changes what we think is a success. It changes what we think is a failure. But if we've shown up to serve, then maybe we've begun to grasp what Jesus was getting at. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. So here's my challenge, is for you to think like a servant. For you to just own this idea that disciples don't attend, they engage. And it is not a comfortable idea. If you're a visitor here, we're, feel free to sit back and watch whether or not we take this seriously, because this is at the real heart of what it means to be a disciple. But disciples don't attend, they engage, they jump in. And there's lots of people, don't misunderstand me, some of you are like, man, Patrick, you've been kind of harsh. There's a lot of people doing a lot of good things. There absolutely are, absolutely are. There's a lot of stuff that happens that would not happen if it weren't for the, the volunteer hours being put in by people at church here, absolutely. But I think that we've got to fundamentally shift how we view ourselves. If we don't think of ourselves as servants, then it's no wonder that we don't think of ourselves if we don't fill our schedule with service. So, what is, where does this all lead? Where do we all go with this? Because some of you are like, I'm, what, what, do we, what do you want me to do? Just tell me what you want me to do. Stop getting upset. I'll go do it. Fine. Get off my back. Well, here's what I want you to do. Uh, this morning, Jordan, our involvement minister, has put together uh, an opportunity for people to figure out, here's some things at church that we have going on that we want everybody to be involved in. And this isn't all skate, by the way. We're not talking about you have to, you know, people over 18. I mean, you can, be, you can be three years old, you can be 100 years old. We want everybody to be involved because we think disciples, all, all disciples get, uh, get involved or get it, attend, don't attend, they engage so we want everybody to be involved. So he's put together some information. There's sheets he'll be handing out. Go up, go talk to him. Sheets with all, a bunch of volunteer opportunities here at this church. Uh, a, a, a card that says, hey, I don't want to attend anymore. I want to engage. And it's got on the back some opportunities. Here's my name. Here's my contact info. Hold me to this. And, and you can write down your top three ministry interests. Because if you're just like, I'm never getting on a lawnmower mowing a lawn, that's fine. Maybe you're bad at it and we don't want you to do that. Maybe you say, I don't want to take care of kids in the nursery. Totally fine. Maybe we don't want you taking care of kids in the nursery. But there are ways that you can plug in and figure out your fit, your way to be involved in this church. Now, some of you, let me just say this briefly and then we'll wrap up. Some of you are like, well, wait a second. All you're talking about is inside church stuff. It's just inside church. You're just talking about serving in the church. You know how many times the New Testament talks about serving one another in the church? 
So when people lodge that criticism at the church, you got to ignore so many Bible verses that talk about serving one another within the church, which is fine. But understand, if you are serving outside of the church, fantastic. That's wonderful. Do that. Keep doing that. But don't show up at church expecting other people to do things for you because disciples don't attend. They engage. And next week, we're going to talk about what it looks like to live this kind of lifestyle outside of the church and what it looks like to maybe even begin to draw people into a relationship with Christ by the things that we engage, the way we engage our community. So here's what I want you to do. Jordan is back in the hallway already. He took off as soon as I started talking about this. He's back in the hallway. Don't go by Jordan without at least grabbing a piece of paper like this, finding out what the opportunities are, and maybe even grabbing one of these and saying, hey, sign me up, plug me in somewhere, because this is what I want to do. So what we're going to do is we dismiss. Uh, We've got, I know I told you I didn't want to play into the guilt too much, but I'm going to play into it just a little bit. Don't leave the building unless you've figured out a pathway towards service in the church, to serve and love one another. Don't leave the building until you've figured that out. If you're a guest, don't leave the building because we just want to get to know you. But other than that, hey, we want every, it's everybody involved. We want everybody on the same page. We want everybody thinking of themselves as servants in order to engage one another. And then next week we'll talk about what that means once we've figured that out, what that means to engage the world. Let's pray and then we'll be dismissed.